Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a Tuesday edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm Scott Reynolds, joined by Casey Hudson today, and we're going to be talking NFL draft. We're going to be actually analyzing Pewter Report's latest 2022 Bucks seven round mock draft. We came out with that about a week or so ago, and we'll have another one coming up around the combine, probably a post combine edition. Then we'll have um, we'll have a couple more before the draft. We'll have one in April, and then we'll have a final one on draft week. So it should be fun. We're we're looking forward to getting some draft action, and uh, who better to talk about that than Casey Hudson was at the Senior Bowl, <laughs> where let's see, at least one of these guys was in action. Two of these guys, yep. right? yeah, two two players. We'll get to those in just a second. Casey, how you doing today? Ah. Uh. Good. It's nice to kind of have my feet on the ground for a minute. So been running since our season ended and then kind of kept up with the remainder of what was football. It was very gut-wrenching to be in Los Angeles and be happy for the Rams and their success. Yeah. I wanted the Bucks to be the only team to do some of those things, but at least they granted me with a good time besides Airbnb and all of the nonsense. So <laughs> I'm happy to be home. Yeah, I was, I was happy for... Um, I mean, not, not just Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford. I mean, I, I'm not really fans of the Rams, so I could care less, really. But I do. I, I was happy for Raheem Morris, the former Bucks head coach. Yes. Who's the defensive coordinator for the Rams got his Super Bowl ring. Actually, yes, too, because he got one with the Buccaneers as an assistant back in 2022. Wow. And, or, sorry, 2002, the original Bucks Super Bowl team. And, <laughs> and also Kevin Demoff, who was uh, the Bucks capologist. Back in the days of uh, uh, Bruce Allen, John Gruden, so it was good to see Kevin, who's the chief operating officer of the Rams, out there get, get the Super Bowl rings. A couple of former Buccaneer guys, I, I know that uh, that have have some rings now, so that was pretty cool. See, it takes um, some folks magic to do it. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but I don't like the Rams. Uh, nah, mean, you know. Everyone's like, what are you rooting for? And I'm like, I'm working. I root for nobody. <laughs> yeah, I was rooting for the Bengals. <laughs> just because, yeah, I yeah. Um, I was hoping that they would pull off the upset. You know, I might have had oh, a little yeah. bit of money on the game too in the Bengals, so you know, had a little bit of extra incentive they there. They looked so good at first. The best part though was being in the media tent, yeah. and I'm not really leaning in either direction. But the mm -hmm. Joe Burrow story really, you know, I gravitate towards the underdog story. Everybody right. knows this about me. And then it was, oh, you're being bitter because Tom Brady left you. <laughs> they didn't leave me personally, so. Right. I'm yeah. okay. But did he, did he leave us? I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, never say never, Casey. Right. And and at the same time, too, uh, I'll still point out to this day that Tom Brady has yet to use the word retirement or retiring in his podcast, in his social media farewell to Tampa. We just haven't seen him use those terms yet. And usually yeah. it's I'm announcing my retirement. I'm retiring after 22 years of of playing in the NFL. I mean, usually use those words, but the fact that he uttered the phrase, never say never. Yeah. We'll see, right? <laughs> we'll see. That's so, a very determined looking guy who's not yeah. ready. The hard part for me is, is Tom senior. I yeah. know that he's had to, he's had to put a muzzle on his dad a couple of times, but right. Papa doesn't come out and declare that you're not retiring for you to turn around and retire. That's the part yeah. that wakes me out the most. Whole, like, thing was weird right because yeah. it came out on a saturday the, the national guys broke it darlington and schefter and then there was pushback right tom senior said you know he's not retiring he hasn't made up his mind yet then on yep. monday you know tom's <laughs> like i'm taking it day by day and we'll see you know and then tuesday he comes out and does the whole social media farewell thing Nine and it just was so clumsy the way it was handled it just does not seem like it's real yeah, we know he likes to control his narrative, so I would not put it past him to have all of this going yeah. on, and then there'd be like some sort of surprise. I told Paul John, and I believe it was JC after the last mm -hmm. game. I'm like, there's always a campaign around what he does, yeah. and there's been no big push yet, so I couldn't, you know, there's still so many possibilities. There could there be is. a huge line push, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, bounce back like Brady with the Brady brand, and then he's back for one year or something crazy. Yeah. So I still um, have hope. I was on the JP Peterson show today, and I kind of threw out something that that uh, that I, I think maybe maybe a borderline conspiracy theory. We'll see, but 
the thing is this, if Brady does want to go somewhere else, right, he kind of floats out there, hey, I'm done, you know, by Tampa, you know, had a good time. You, let's say he maybe wants to play in the 49ers. Let's go down that conspiracy road for a second, okay? Not okay. sure it's going to happen. Not sure that he wants to. 49ers have told him no thanks twice, right, in the draft. And they drafted Giovanni Carmasi in the third round, and, you know, Brady lasted until the sixth round. <laughs> and then also he wanted to play there before Tampa in free agency. They had just signed Jimmy G to the contract extension. They had just been in the Super Bowl with John, with Jimmy G at, as the quarterback. And they told Brady no. So he comes to Tampa, right? And so maybe he's, you know, if, if you believe him when he said he wants to play till age 45, and that would be this year. Yep. That one year out there with the Super Bowl ready 49ers, supposedly, could get the job done. Keep in mind, they got to play in the Rams twice, you know, so it's not exactly easy sledding. And the Rams but, is the kryptonite. Yeah, here's the thing, right? So I could see Brady, you know, kind of telling the Buccaneers, signaling them, hey, I'm done, you know. Uh, if they go ahead and trade for Russell Wilson, trade for Deshaun Watson, then Brady circles back around after the draft and says, you know, I spent all this time with Giselle and the kids and <laughs> and uh, kind of getting that itch again, you know, and I took the kids to school. We did the vacations as a family. I kind of put my time in with Giselle and I just want to play one more year. I got her blessing. And so I'm ready to come back. Oh, sorry, Tampa. You already got a quarterback. Oh, shucks. Got to go somewhere. Got to be right? somewhere else. Right. Well, see, here's the thing. This is how the Bucks could block that. Sign Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Sign Blaine. Seriously. Sign Blaine Gabbert. Pay him $5 million, which would be more than double what he made last year. And, and say, Blaine, listen, this is your only chance for a starting job. We're going to have you compete with Kyle Trask. And you'll probably win because you're an NFL veteran have a, and you have four years experience in this offense. So let's go ahead and sign you up. The Bucks would have a super cheap starting quarterback, right? After paying Jameis Winston over $20 million in his fifth year option in 2019, after paying Brady $25 million in each of these two years, Casey, mm -hmm. to have a $5 million starting quarterback would allow you to absorb that Brady salary, dead salary cap hit. And then you free up so much more money to to pay other positions. Maybe you bring back a Jordan Whitehead. Maybe you bring back Alex Kappa, Will Golston, right? I mean, you, you follow me yep. with this? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a brilliant move because I actually like Blaine Gabbard. I followed his career from the Jaguars to the West Coast to coming back here. And granted, I think a lot of people forget he did good enough, well enough at the Jaguars. He didn't really have many pieces to work with. Yeah. Um, so I think... Look, when we when when the Bucks lost Jameis Winston as a Bucks fan, all I wanted was a quarterback that wasn't going to turn over the ball forty five thousand times. Right. Blaine Gabbert can do that. Well, I would have been more than happy with we'll Blaine see. Gabbert. <laughs> so if you notice, we're running a disclaimer at the bottom here. <laughs> okay, just we're not endorsing Blaine, and you know we do not represent Gabbert, nor are we employed by Gabbert, and you know Blaine did not slip me a $20 bill to say nice things about him. So just, just so we're clear about that, right? So we've full context. We, we, full context. We've got the disclaimer there. We're not endorsing this idea. We're just saying it could happen. But here's the thing, Casey, when it comes to, to Blaine Gabbert, what that signing could do is, is it boxes Brady in. Okay. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have that excuse. If the Bucks can't pull off a trade for Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, you know, an A-list kind of guy. Yep. Then you sign Blaine Gabbert and you say, well, Blaine's kind of our, our placeholder quarterback. He's our, our you know backup option. If Brady wants to play somewhere else and says, hey, you know what? I've kind of thought about coming out of retirement, you know, um, and you, you've already got Russell Wilson. So just trade me to the 49ers. I mean, the Bucs would, would have to do that. They can't afford both of those guys. But if you've only signed Blaine, it boxes Brady in. He's either coming back to Tampa or he's not playing anywhere else. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't think a that made strategy, absolute right? sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what it does is it, it just basically says, yeah, I mean, Tom, we're ready whenever you want to come back. You want to come back in training camp? Want to come back in April? Want to come back September, start of the season? Have your whole summer off? We don't care. You know? QB1 is waiting for you, right? That's your spot. But, yep. you know, if you decide to stay retired, then we'll just move Blaine up for a year, and then we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But, but that would be the way for the Bucks. To box Brady in and doesn't give him that excuse to, well, you've already got your quarterback, guys. Trade me. You know, just I, I can't play here, obviously, so I, I'll go somewhere else. 
So yeah, let me get out of your hair yeah. really quickly. No. Right. If 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 that is a possible theory out there, this this would be Blaine Gabbert, folks, could be the the guy that could defuse that bomb. You bring I'm Blaine Gabbert back, and, and and you say, "Listen, Tom, ho ho ho, Tom, you're not going anywhere. If you want if you want to play, you're coming back for year three in Tampa, right? Because Blaine just Blaine's been your backup the last couple of years. He's still now your backup. I mean, he, we just paid him a little bit more because he's done a good job as your backup. Yeah, makes sense. Takes over the reins. I'm on board for it. Okay. We know we know your love for for Blaine, but I I support this movement, especially because I cannot hear one more person say that they have faith in, in Kyle Trask. I mean, if the team actually no, had no, faith no. that he was ready, he would have gotten a couple fourth quarter reps just yeah. to really see how he manages the NFL pace. And that never happened. And yes, there yeah. were a couple games where there was a clear opportunity for them to do it. And they didn't. Yeah. People did not love that comment, but I still stand by it. I do not want to see Kyle Trask with any starting QB reps. In the I mean, he was QB four last year. If they're not ready to move him up, you know, and no, the funny thing is like that. I've seen a couple mock drafts that have the Bucks drafting like Matt Coral in, really? uh, in first round. Like they just drafted a quarterback in the second, but they have no idea if this guy can play or not. It's right. not gonna make any sense to to draft another quarterback, right? You have two rookies and Blaine, you know, or two rookies and and Ryan. Not unless Loki really sense. think you made a mistake, then that would just speak volumes. Yeah, but but everything everything I've heard out, out of uh, you know one buck place, the Advent Health Training Center is is that, that they like Kyle Trask. So that, yeah. that's that's the thing. And speaking of of like, listen, folks, um, the, the good folks at Celsius shared with me this brand new flavor that they have. It is the sparkling mango passion fruit. This is the new flavor. And it's pretty damn good. It is. John likes it a little bit more than I do, and, I, and I'm not knocking it. It's good. I just, I've got my standbys. I've kind of got some of my favorites. This is probably in my top five now, but... Uh, John, this is John's number one. So he, he loves this. I think you should try it too. I'm um, dying to try it. My girls love it. Jillian loves it. And my wife Ashley loves it. So it's, it's definitely, uh, it, it's a good flavor. It's just a, it's a little, it's a, it's a lot going on. It's the mango and the passion fruit for me. The thing is I've actually kind of circled back around. I'm on the cola <laughs> kick. Oh, right? so if, if you're not, if you're not feeling the, the flavors, the fruit flavors that Celsius has, try the cola flavor. This is the third one I've had in the last two weeks, and this is a great changeup. And I tell you, if you like soda, this tastes like some very, very popular beverages. I don't know how the scientists at Celsius pull it off, but damn, folks, cola tastes like cola. Orange tastes like orange. The mango passion fruit tastes like mango passion fruit. And, and the great thing is, is whether it's the cola, whether it's this new mango passion fruit, folks, there's no sugar and there's no preservatives. And what that means for you as the the person who is trying to get all the energy, you're going to get the energy, but you're not going to get the sugar crash because there's no sugar. So you're not going to get that high. And then a couple hours later, you're going to be dragging. No, folks, this is sustainable energy here. Just don't drink it too late in the day because you're going to be up at night. That's how good it works. <laughs> so, Casey. I'm going to tell you and everyone else where to get this. You can uh, click on those Celsius banner ads at PeterReport.com and you're checking out all the stories we've got. John Ledger's got a new Bucks first round, not just Bucks, but NFL first round mock draft that's going to hit first thing tomorrow morning. So make sure you check out PeterReport.com for that and click on the Celsius banners. And uh, you can also go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator. And if you know which, which flavors you like, well, just head over to Amazon and get the subscribe and save package. That's what I do. You pick the flavors you want. They ship them right to your door and you end up saving some money each month on those subscriptions. So it's a great way to get Celsius for a great price. You know, go ahead and get it. It comes right to you. Very helpful. Yep. I like the Amazon stack because I do the variety. Yes. Although I was never a pop person growing up. So I, I don't do the cola, but I like all yeah. the flavors. <laughs> you know, I, I used to drink soda as, as a kid, like most people my age going to be 50 here coming up pretty soon. It's just kind of what, what you did, you know, and, and I've gotten healthier in the day, but I kind of long for every once in a while that cola flavored. And that's how you folks, the Celsius cola flavor, check it out for sure. And you get, you can get that in the variety pack because I got a variety pack just to try some other flavors and, and it came in there. So I was really happy about that. So we talked about John's first round NFL mock draft. That's going to be hitting tomorrow on pewterreport.com. 
let's get to the the Peter Report mock draft that we came out with about a week or so ago. And yes, yes. you can you can see right there in the graphic, Casey, that the teaser kind of gives it away. We have Arkansas's Traylon Burks as the first pick for the Buccaneers. Now, the thing about this is, is you might say, well, if they're gonna is this is this because they're gonna lose Chris Godwin in free agency? And and Casey, I don't think they're gonna be losing Chris Godwin in free agency. No. I definitely don't think they are. I think they're going to make him a priority to have back. And plus, Chris Godwin and his wife really seem to be grounded here in Tampa. And most people that have an opportunity to keep their roots situated, and he's not much of a money-hungry guy, I think yeah. that they'll be able to come to a, you know, a quality contract that works for both the Bucks as well as Chris Godwin. I don't see him going anywhere. I'd be very shocked. Yeah, I do too. And so the thing is, is, is you've got some of these national media types that sit there and say, well, whether it's Chris Olave from Ohio State or Traylon Brooks, and Brooks might not be there. The 40-yard the dash time is important, really, for wide receivers. So, mm -hmm. so that, that's you know that, that's kind of the issue there, is is you want to be able to um, see how fast or slow these guys are. That can really determine what round you're in, because that's a position where the 40 time it does matter. And the thing with Brooks that I like is is uh, he can play the slot. And why that's important is even though that's Chris Godwin's role, sometimes they, they'll put Godwin out for a wide receiver screen. Sometimes mm -hmm. they'll put him out wide. Sometimes, you know, Chris might need a break, right? So you can have a guy that can legitimately play the slot that has some breakaway speed, some yards after catchability, some physicality. He's 6'3", 225, that Tyler Johnson just didn't show, right? Oh, yeah. And and the thing with Burks, too, is when you look at at – his ability to get the yards after the catch it comes with speed it also comes with physicality this is a big dude this is this is like if you were to take mike evans and chris godwin and put them in a in a hypothetical wide receiver blender and mix them up i think this is the guy that you get because he does have the ability to run away from some guys like godwin does and even like like mike evans does right ask jalen ramsey but mm -hmm. he's got the size to be that blocker in the slot that why that uh, the godwin can can play the role of and uh and then he's got the size that you like on the outside too against maybe some smaller corners or even a smaller nickel if he's playing in the slot absolutely and as you mentioned with the slot that's obviously a very appealing very very appealing factor when it comes to this wide receiver um even though he's not the strongest outside what i do like as you mentioned is the fact that he has an ability to block we know that that's a big bonus for coach arians but as well as having that big ability to block he's a really good deep threat i was seeing in a lot of scouting reports he was averaging like 16 yards per catch yeah. um and he has a little bit of versatility to him where he's strong in the backfield as well. Mm -hmm. Except he runs really hard, which makes him a quality option. Also, the only thing that makes me quite nervous is in comparison to Tyler Johnson, he's somebody else who kind of scouts were ruling into having separation issues, like struggling to separate from guys and with that size. But I think because of his frame, he'd be able to learn it and better manage it versus Tyler Johnson who's a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, so if you don't have the confidence to create that separation or to fight for it, then usually you can body guys out if you have the build on you. So definitely yeah. a guy that's very coachable with this buck staff, I would think that he would do so well. Although I'm a little biased as to who I would love 27 to go to. Um, Tell us who. <laughs> who? Christian Watson. He's, oh, he's, he's always going to be my, my number one guy. Well, because he's about an inch taller than this kid. Um, I think he's probably five pounds less. And he's fast. But he's very underrated. So they yeah. could get him at you know a token price. Mm -hmm. um, he ran 20.7. 20.71 miles per hour at the senior bowl. He was one of the top five fastest guys out there. Yeah. And then in his younger days, if you will, <laughs> he also ran track and he's very qual like strong quality on special teams also. So you've got he's a, a Tampa kid went to plant yeah. high school. Yeah. yeah. Which plant had, you know, plant breeds. It just depends on the teams. These kids have ended up with yeah. after the fact as how far or what the longevity was of their careers. But mm -hmm. he was just such a standout to me. And because he was kind of flying under the radar is the other reason why I'm like Bucks and him are the perfect relationship because when it comes to cost efficiency, that should work. He's just now kind of putting some capital on his name and on top of just now spicing things up and getting some recognition for his capabilities. Um, 
he has that that versatility and who doesn't love the the full circle story of a kid coming back to tampa yeah he's a great kid too from by all accounts and, and the, the thing too is I would not be surprised if Traylon Burks at that size runs well, and that means he might not be there at number 27. Yeah, I saw that you mentioned right. that if he runs under a 4'6". Yeah. Four, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think he's a 4'5 guy, and, and if he goes under, then I, I think he's long gone. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look, Mike Evans was was the seventh overall pick, and he ran a 4'5'1". Chris Godwin was, I want to say, 4'4", 4'3", something like that. He was a third-round pick out of Penn State back in the 2017 draft. But the interesting thing is with Burks, where, where the size has come into play is, is creating some of that separation. And we'll see if the 40 time has helped him because he's averaged over 16 yards per catch all three seasons, 2019, 2020, and 2021. He had 66 catches for 1,104 yards and 11 touchdowns. He was a big-time producer uh, at at uh, Arkansas, especially this past year, and they don't have the best quarterback play either. So some of that was was just you know making things happen on his own. Yeah. But uh, the thing about Christian Watson that I find a little interesting is I think he helped himself tremendously at the Senior Bowl, and if Christian Watson runs really really fast at the combine and tests well, like I think he could, I would not be shocked because I think he's a second round pick right now. Mm -hmm. I would not be shocked if he ends up becoming a late first for a team like Tampa Bay, who has certain preferences, a wide receiver is Chris Olav at six, one, but a skinny one eighty nine is, you know, is he a bucks fit? I'm not sure. Is Jahan Dotson from Penn state who has a similar type build. Uh, neither one of those guys are very physical. Are they bucks fits? I'm not sure. But the interesting thing is I just wonder if when it's all said and done, if, Christian Watson doesn't really become one of those guys that that is a Bucks fit and tempts them at number 27, right? I mean, Peter Report had Joe Tryon Shoinka as the the first round pick last year, and he was considered by many as a second round pick, right? Mm -hmm. So it, sometimes beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right. And that's the interesting part. I mean, that's the most fascinating part of the draft because we sit here and find all of these these pros of these guys and as well, well-deserved accolades for each guy that's, you know, even being considered for this next level of their career, but it really can go either way. And it, and a lot of it depends on free agency, you know, whatever materializes in the next two, three, four, oh, five yeah. weeks here, then that can change draft pick and draft potential right. of the drop of a dime. So John and I were talking today, right? If they don't sign Jordan Whitehead back, then, all of, all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden you've got a you got a glaring need at safety and you could go safety in the second round. Jason Light's already done that twice with Justin Evans back in, in um, 2015, I believe. And then you've got Antoine Winfield Jr. back in 2020. So those are some second round safeties there, right? So all of yeah. a sudden, safety could be a need or center, offensive line. Let's say Ryan Jensen leaves. I think he's probably gonna want to break the bank. And mm -hmm. if he leaves. And I, I don't blame him. I mean, he's this is his last contract. He's 30, 31 years old. So yeah. he's going to want to cash in right now. He's a Pro Bowl player with the Super Bowl ring. Stock's never been higher. Um, if, if Alex Kappa breaks the bank, right? If both of those guys leave, now all of a sudden offensive line goes in, comes into play with the number 27 pick. So free agency is going to determine, right? These are almost like throwing darts at a door, dartboard right now because <laughs> the Bucks could have a lot of holes. And we'll know in March for our late March, early April final block draft, those will be a little bit probably more on target yeah. because we'll have a better idea of where the holes are in Tampa Bay. Absolutely. But at least it's exciting for now to see who may potentially plug in. But I still right. like this guy. I mean, it's just Christian Watson stood out to me at Senior Bowl, and everybody yeah. knows the hype that I've appreciated around him. But something else that I do like about this wide receiver is, once again, a lot of reports, a lot of feedback on him is the fact that he has such strong hands, so it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not a big guy. He's not the kind of guy that drops a lot of passes. He's yeah. very good with ball control and ball security. And maybe it's just, like, after this past season, <laughs> seeing a lot of mm -hmm. rough catches and a lot of – crucial drops coming in um right. that's something that's just extremely appealing is knowing that you can have that ball security and as you mentioned he didn't have the greatest quarterback at arkansas the bucks mm -hmm. don't particularly know what their quarterback situation is going to be so right. there's a lot of balance outs there that can make him look like a prime guy to come in and, mm -hmm. and really help out this offense right away yeah for sure 
Richie P says, uh, Scott, what do you think about trading down from 27 if Burks or another high-quality edge rusher is available? Then you can get Watson and Travis Jones. Speaking of Travis Jones, Casey, Travis Jones is going to check in at uh, at our number two spot. Now, this was a guy that you did see at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Traylon yeah. Burks wasn't there, but but uh, this was, was a, a guy that when I saw his film – and I haven't seen a whole bunch of it because UConn, there's just not a lot out there. It's not like UConn was was in prime time very much. But when I looked at this guy at the Senior Bowl, he just screamed Buck's defensive tackle to me from his size, 6'4", 334 pounds, to his brute force and physicality. He's not in Dominicus Sue, who was a top five pick back in the day, back in 2010. But he plays the game like Sue plays, which is that kind of bull rush, shut yeah. down the run, space eating type of, of defensive tackle that's going to keep an offensive lineman off the linebackers and really stuff the run for you. Oh yeah. Well, a good thing about this kind of guy, I guess. Okay. So putting some context behind it, <laughs> UConn and me have an issue, but <laughs> going, you know, going to UCF playing UConn as often as we did yeah. losing to UConn as often as we did at first. And then like, you know, coming off to the other side of things, UConn, produces some really um, special skill set guys. They usually are very crafty in, in, in very specific skill sets, which translates to them being a part of the right team and the right system. Um, that's it's one not very often they have draft picks, but what you're saying is, is the guys that they do. When they, they do, yeah, yeah they really they just know play. how to hone in and, and, and be a part of, of, of a team and make a difference. So with him, also seeing him at the Pro Bowl, the first thing – or not Pro Bowl, Senior Bowl, the first yep. thing that you notice about this kid is he is freaking strong. Yeah, He has yeah. so much power. And then diving in a little bit more as, you know, researching him and, and looking at the scouting reports and stuff, a lot of things made sense. So he has a very powerful initial contact with the guy ahead of him. He's not going to be a speedster. He's not super explosive right. Explosive off the line, but when he gets his hands on you, it's a problem. Yeah, then he's fully in control. He can manipulate the guy ahead of him. He uses his. He relies more on his power rather than speed. But mm -hmm. you know, my my brother's team they switched to a three four when when Jimbo Fisher came into play, and mm -hmm. that was kind of a big thing that my brother said that he had to work on a lot. Was like as soon as you get your hands on a guy, you yeah. have to make him your you know you know your what <laughs> you know your what yeah. but once you do that then yeah. you can create the gaps that you need to create you need you could there's so many things you could do so he's the kind of guy that can also come into the buck system and be a massive contributor because and maintain that reputation of having one of the yeah. best defenses in the league and, and that stood out to me with him he's got some pass rush ability right he can he can win he's actually got a very good swim move uh, i'm not a huge fan of the swim at the nfl level because a lot of times it's like when you give up your you know, when, when you're, when you're right, when you're right in, uh, in the offensive lineman's grill and you're starting to, to throw that right there. And if you, if you expose this part of your body, that's exactly what, what offensive lineman that's all of a sudden that becomes like a glaring target. And then you're, you're going to get taken for a ride. So I don't know how effective the swim is going to be in the NFL level. I mean, Aaron Donald can get away with it at times because he's Aaron Donald and he's just bigger <laughs> than everybody. Uh, this guy, like you said, does not really work on offensive linemen with quickness. It's more about size and power. And the thing is, is John Ledyard and I have talked about this before. We both like Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. Uh, mm -hmm. He's he's more of that, that classic. And if they're going to go defensive tackle in the first round, probably going to be him. He's more of that classic, almost kind of Warren Sapp-like three-technique defensive tackle. Although, Warren, if you're listening, I'm not putting this kid in your class. Okay, yeah, I, I understand that and respect that. But the thing is, is, is Wyatt's game, while he has some power, is more predicated on penetration and, and being a classic three-technique, uh, you know, one-gap penetrator guy. And, and while, John, I would like to see that style kind of come back to Tampa, it's just not what the Buccaneers were all about. They had that, that kind of guy in Khalil Davis, who was kind of a poor man's Devontae White, a smaller guy in Nebraska, and he just couldn't play the run. This team likes the big body guys that can play the run, stuff the run. That's where the premium is. So that's why I think Jones is a fit. And that's why we have him in the second round. And, and we'll see if uh you know we'll see if, if Indomica Sue retires. Uh, if he comes back then um you know then may maybe they don't go defensive tackle in the second round. So right. we shall see. In the third round though, moving on we uh, we look at 
at a, an offensive position again, right? It's it's interesting that that the Buccaneers go skill position, right? Because they might need offensive line again. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find out pretty soon in in March which holes the Bucks need to fill, and that'll kind of help our mock draft here a little bit. But Casey, this is a running back. I, I think I want to give the Buccaneers another running back, and you know why? They only have one under contract, actually two, <laughs> right? You've got Keyshawn Vaughn, and you've got Kenyon Barner. That excites you, Casey? Not at all. Not, Not at all. <laughs> but as you guys know, I've wanted a whole different style running back for three years now, yes. maybe even going on four years. So, what I was kind of running back do you want? About your pick, more. I need a more dense body as a running back, and that's why I was so excited about your power. Pick. Yes, like power per hour. I do not want to see dirty dancing moves on the field because you're yeah. an undersized guy who just relies on being shifty and speedy, but you can't really be explosive in gaps. You can't power through tackles. You can't break yeah. tackles for crying out loud. Like, right. It has to be done, especially depending on your, your division and who you're facing. If you know you've got these massive linebackers that can get a hold of you and, and pull you down, you've yeah. got to have a lot more grit. And I haven't seen that gritty running back at all. Right. I think Tyler Algier – the running back from BYU. I think this kid is exactly what what you're looking for. Yes, the thing about it, Algier, 5'11", 220. He he's got some sneaky speed, and I don't mean like sneak lawn speed. I mean some actual sneaky speed. Like this guy, <laughs> when you know you you don't think he's running fast, but yet he rarely gets caught from behind in the open. Mm -hmm. And he really kind of came on the last two years. He's only 21. And the thing is with BYU kids is they they typically they do those those uh, sabbaticals, right? They, they do uh, the mission trips, I should say. Mm -hmm. And in this kid's only 21. Usually when you look at BYU products, you're like, oh gosh, he's like 27, 28, whatever already. <laughs> this is only 21 year old kid. And so I, I like him. The more I watched him, the more I was really excited about his his fit for the Bucks because he is a little bit different yes. than, than Keyshawn Vaughn. And, and even if Leonard Fournette comes back, I, I think this guy, is a little bit different than Leonard in yeah. some respects. Right? I mean, and a nice one-two punch, if you think of yeah, it. Like, that yeah. would be fabulous. He kind of reminds me of, of uh, Kareem Hunt a little bit coming out of Toledo, where where I think Hunt has got a little bit more juice. This guy might actually have more power, and, and he's mm -hmm. going to drag people a little bit more. But he'll slip tackles. He'll break tackles with power and with some wiggle. In 2020, he had... 150 carries for 1,130 yards, 7.5 yard average, 13 touchdowns. But Casey last year, 276 carries, 1,601 yards, averaged almost six yards a carry and 23 touchdowns. This is your goal line back. Yep. And something else like building off of the fact that you said he has that sneaky speed, you know, it's the fact that once he sees that he has a clearing, he's able to pick up. His yeah. whole stride changes. Uh, teams were kind of referring to the fact that he has different strides and he knows how to adjust his stride, which is major because then that means that he can be shifty without too, doing too much dancing. We've mm -hmm. seen a lot of dancing <laughs> this past season. And Leonard and Fournette kind of dances yeah. a little bit too much sometimes too. Yeah. He has his moments, absolutely. And, and dancing too much, it takes momentum away from you. It, it puts weight in your feet. It just does a yeah. lot. So to be shifty without doing too much dancing, that's appealing. Uh, something else with him too is that they're saying plays true to size, which I'm so excited to see because yeah. if you're 5'11", 200 some odd pounds and you play true to size, that means it's going to hurt the other guy just as much as it yeah. hurts you on that impact. He can break he can break tackles. He has really, really good field vision and he knows how to really hit gaps explosively or create mm -hmm. those gaps, which is all appealing to me because, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, he has the speed, but that gap has to be a little too obvious in a sense. So that yeah. was some of the things that I saw within the running back group that I didn't love is the fact that the play had to be very obvious for it to be effective or efficient. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. They had their moments, but those great running backs that really make those plays that really make teams pay for it. They're creating those opportunities because they're yeah. strong enough to break through those thresholds. Great. This guy's a creator. I think you're spot on Casey. He's a creator on his own. He can slip tackles, break them, mm -hmm. push the pile. He can do those things. He can also catch the ball, right? Cause that's important. Yeah. Now he only had 14 catches. For 174 yards in 2020, that's a 12.4 yard average. That's that's pretty healthy. Then he doubled that production this past year: 28 catches for 199 yards and a 7.1 yard average. Uh, as as we we've got here, 
actually, this was the one I wanted to get here. Uh, Jira's a dump down guy. Route tree will have to get better. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's a route tree kind of guy. I think he's the kind of guy you want to feature in screens. You do want to check down and, and let that 5'11", 220-pound guy take yeah. on cornerbacks in the flat and either run him over or run around him, right? And, yeah. and get 9 or 10 yards and then move the chains. I, I think that's that's where this guy can help. He's also a guy that will look for work as a pass protector. He's big enough. He's nasty enough. He will stick his nose in there. Mm -hmm. and and uh, and pass protect and that's key for the bucks running backs as well yeah that's probably one of the best looking running backs i mean that i've seen that's within reach yeah. of the Bucks drafting in the, in a while um and i'm sure you're going to get to it in a minute but i see that people are asking about damian pierce trust yeah. me he is extremely impressive i mean john and matt just about lost their whole soul when they saw this kid the last play of the day I know, he pass protected really well i, I get it <laughs> i'm not excited by 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 Damian Pierce, I'm just not. This is a guy that had 13 carries with, was I think his his most carries at Florida. He split time, and I just didn't see the production. I didn't see the speed. Didn't see the production. I think yeah. he's another Ernest Graham. He's an okay back. He might have been the best back at the Senior Bowl. That's not saying much. I don't think there's a lot of good backs yeah. at the Senior Bowl. And so, and just kind of comparing to what we were talking about, from what I saw of him, does he run hard? Absolutely. But was he was running yeah. hard? clearings he was running hard in obvious plays where he had yeah. the opportunity to go the extra mile but as for creating those opportunities yeah it wasn't much and i wasn't impressed by uf this past season or the past two years no well and, and listen casey i know you're a ucf alum you know that's kind of my my florida team i've adopted mm -hmm. ucf i'm a kansas state wildcat but you know that's that's my my the team i like to, to watch i was at the gasparilla bowl casey i'm not telling you anything you don't know ucf's defense was one of the worst tackling units in college football last year it was yeah. awful one of the worst defenses and yet pierce i think had 47 yards averaged about four yards a carry and he had a touchdown it was like a 13 yard run so many I mean, if you're not going to get 100 yards which he never did never at florida did he get 100 yards As a matter of fact pierce did not even get a 90 yard game at florida <laughs> if you're not going to get 100 yards on ucf when are you going to get it not in the NFL. I mean, at least yeah. there's, I, I'm not hopeful of it, yeah. but. I mean, I, I'm not buying the the Damian Pierce thing. I mean, if you want yeah. to draft him in round five, six, seven, and give him a, a shot in camp, fine. But I mean, he is not a mid-round back as far as I'm concerned. And we'll see. I could yeah. be wrong. You know, the team might draft him. Yeah, but it's yeah. not worth the, it's not worth it for the Bucks at Correct. all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see that being a great fit. Like I think Algier could be. Now, another guy that you saw at the, the senior bowl and this guy is really interesting because i i, I kind of liked him in 2019 we're talking about western kentucky outside linebacker d'angelo malone mm -hmm. really liked him in 2019 kind of fell off the wagon a little bit for me in 2020 what i mean by that is this was a guy that that in in 2018 i i didn't really watch western kentucky but he, he put up some good numbers 60 tackles six sacks an interception two forced fumbles but 2019 when he was the conference MVP on the defensive MVP, 99 tackles, 20.5 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, a fumble recovery for a touchdown that season. Malone was a really impressive player. Now, the, the thing is, is he's 6'3", 234, but he's a pass rusher. Yet he can also drop in space, too. So he's kind of a versatile guy. And the big question with him is, is he big enough? Does he have speed to power? And my whole thing is, if you put 10 more pounds of weight on this guy, then I think you get him into that Cam Gill mold, and he's at least a real quality special teams guy, and maybe even a – he might even become a, a, a designated pass rusher, a DPR kind of guy. Totally agree with that. Um, versatility is always appealing. I would say especially in the Bucks system, versatility is appealing. Yeah. The thing is, is that – you know, college was more so a defensive end in, right. in a 3-4 system, and then they're saying that he'll be an outside linebacker in the league. But as you mentioned, weight-wise, probably because of his frame, he's not too solid on setting the edge. And he doesn't have – he's explosive and he's quick, but he's not one of those initial contact, has strength kind of guys. He lacks yeah. power. The only reason that freaks me out <laughs> is because – and to please, I could be totally off base here, but when I think of somebody who's explosive, when I think of somebody who's quick and who likes to, you know, who likes the initial contact but isn't as powerful with it, I think of Devin White. And mm -hmm. I just think of another guy out there running full speed in God knows what direction. And <laughs> it gets me a little antsy. That's the only reason why I'm like, mm. but you know, coachability, sure. 
he seems like a very coachable guy. They, there was a lot of reports on him being very instinctual on the field, which I think as a defensive player, instinct is probably one of the best things you can have. Um, also, depending on what system you're running in. But I was just a little concerned on him being kind of like all gas, no breaks, because we've seen too much of that. You see there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Technology is great when it works. I, I lost my <laughs> internet feed there for a second. Sorry about that. Um, but yes. I had a nice picture to look at. Exactly. The, the thing with, with, with D'Angelo Malone that, that I do like is, is I do like the production. I like the speed off the edge. I like what he did at the senior bowl as even he did some, he showed some speed to power as a, as a bull rusher on a couple of reps. And that really kind of surprised me a little bit, but this is a player that, that racked up 349 career tackles, 59 tackles for loss, 32 and a half sacks, eight forced fumbles, seven pass breakups, a fumble recovery for a touchdown. He was the American team's MVP at the senior bowl, six tackles, two quarterback hurries, half a sack in the game. I just thought that, that he, he had a pretty good week. I think his size limitations and how you're going to use him, he kind of maxes out a mid-round pick, but I think mm -hmm. he's a Bucks fit because of that explosiveness and that, that speed off the edge. And, you know, again, the key is getting him to 245, getting him to 250. And, and I think that could happen with an NFL training regimen yeah. And and that's key because Shaq Barrett's not the biggest guy at 6'1", 250, right? Mm -hmm. But yet, if, if you have some power, if you have some size, and this is a guy that is not a sloppy frame. I mean, he is every bit a muscular kind of guy. If they can just put some more weight on him or he can hold up a little bit better against the edge, I think he could be a fit in Tampa Bay system. Yeah, absolutely. I honestly just think it comes down to giving him more of a sustainable weight to yeah. play at the NFL level and speed. But I totally agree that his his quickness and his explosiveness is very appealing, especially if he's not, again, just kind of going to be full speed in one direction and not be more, um, I don't know, meticulous about it you know, very aggressive with the plays, not just kind of heading yeah. in any direction. But the Cam Gill comparison, I mean, Gill stepped up a lot this past season. Mm -hmm. I will say at the end of the day, he seems very coachable. So if they can get some weight on him and coach him up to be an asset in that position, drop him back to outside linebacker, he could be of use. I, I like his length. I like his ability right. to, you know, his quickness to get in and push pockets and stuff and make plays. But yeah, I mean, at least for where he's at in the draft, yeah. it, it's a worthy pickup. It's a worthy investment, right, Casey? Mm -hmm. Just like our friends at Immuni Financial can help you with investments. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Amuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With over 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, let Amuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Folks, do what I did. I called Immuni Financial for that risk-free consultation. No obligation, folks. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864. Let them help you plan ahead and stay ahead with your finances. Get ready for your kids' colleges. Get ready for your retirement. They can also help you out with insurance. Visit them on the web at immuni.com. So, Casey, it's interesting, right? Because we're the DBs, right? We're the defensive backs in this mock draft. Well, the problem is <laughs> it's only six picks, right? Yeah. And we don't know if they're going to be drafting a defensive back. Uh, if Jordan Whitehead leaves via free agency, and I hope that's not the case, right? I think Hopefully. that they, they need Whitehead. I, I think that he is a heck of a player, right? Emily agrees. So <laughs> I, I, I think that he comes back, especially if the Buccaneers – don't have to pay top money for a quarterback and maybe, maybe th they will. And maybe that will be, you know, the thing where they, they got to decide between Carlton Davis and a, a franchise tag money for him or Jordan Whitehead. But it could be a thing where, where they get both of those guys back and then they can kind of 
see how Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards, how they all perform in a contract year, right? Because if you're drafting a cornerback in the second round or, or even a safety in the second round and, and, and the gravediggers are back for another year, then those guys that you just spent premium draft picks on really aren't going to see the field unless one of those guys, you know, goes down again, goes down the tubes. So, yeah. so doesn't that kind of make sense a little bit while we're showing a little bit of restraints on the defensive <laughs> back position? Just, yeah. Right now? Well, absolutely. Because something else, and maybe it's just, you know, high hoping over here on my end, but I think the grave diggers need to redeem themselves from last season. There yeah. wasn't much grave digging going on besides injuries and it was kind of on the on, on their own end. So it would yeah. be great to see, you know, I mean, I only know so much from an athletic perspective, kind of growing up with some of these guys, but yeah. Jordan Whitehead, you know what you can do in this system. Yeah, I, we had a really good contract year too. Yeah, really good like, year last year. great year. You know what you can do in this system. You see that the fans are so appreciative of you and what you bring to, uh, you know, the Bucks team. I can't imagine you want to go and try to do that anywhere else because – one scheme difference, one defensive difference, and he's not going to be the Jordan Whitehead that he was at the Bucks. He's going to be something right. else, and it could yeah. be worse. Or as be an old timer, I, I saw that with Dexter, with Dexter Jackson, the former Super Bowl MVP safety for the Buccaneers. Right? He he did whatever every you know free agent wants to do, which is cash in. That was in Arizona. It was not a good scheme fit, and he fell off. Yeah, he fell off. Yeah, he was not yeah. the player he was for the Cardinals that he was in Tampa, where he was a great scheme fit. And I think that's the same thing out there speaking of scheme fits before we get on to our, our final two guys in the mock draft uh mark's main channel says don't know uh d'angelo malone well how's his coverage ability would he start as a third down sub yeah he would he would be kind of that dpr designated designated pass rush guy but as you know todd Bowles likes to drop those outside linebackers sometimes in coverage sometimes it works out jack barrett <laughs> had a couple picks including one in uh, in the, the playoff game against philadelphia had another one earlier in the year and Jason Pierre-Paul, back before his shoulder injury, had two interceptions in his Pro Bowl season in 2020. So sometimes those guys can come up with picks. I'm going to call it right now. I think Joe Tryon-Shoinka gets uh, an interception, his first pick next year as a starter. So, And he's got, he's got the <laughs> athleticism to pull it off. But, yes, uh, D'Angelo Malone could be that guy because he, he did play some linebacker-level um, snaps Mm -hmm. he can be a guy that, that can drop in coverage. That's what kind of makes him appealing too. Yeah. So we, we didn't, we're not going to hit defensive uh, backfield in this particular draft, no corners or safeties. Again, that'll change. We'll see what happens with Carlton Davis and Jordan Whitehead in free agency, but rounding out the draft uh, was a guy that was not at the senior bowl, a little surprised, but he was at the East West shrine game. And when I watched the the film from that, the fifth-round pick is North Dakota State offensive lineman Cordell Volson. Now, Volson was a right tackle at North Dakota State, did some pass protecting, some run blocking for Trey Lance up there. And, of course, your guy Christian Watson was a teammate there. So uh, it, it's a situation where, at least in this mock draft, they're getting a bison, but it's not the bison you want, Casey. It's Cordell uh -huh. Volson. I was really impressed with, with Volson at the East-West Shrine game. This guy is a, a run game mauler. He will – the Bucks like to run that duo inside the tackle, uh, you know, gap run scheme, and this is the, the kind of guy that you want there. Oh Jason Light, Jason Light likes to take offensive tackles and move them inside. We saw that with Robert Hainsey, right, mm -hmm. moving from right tackle at Notre Dame to center. Yep. We've seen that with Alex Kappa from left tackle to right guard from Humboldt State to to you know three year starter in Tampa, and if they lose Kappa. This would be a guy that I think could come in as, as a former right tackle that really excels in run blocking. I absolutely agree. And the fa my favorite thing that stood out about this guy was the fact that he plays until the whistle blows. Yes. Everybody knows that that's something that I am just so big on because you just never know when the difference is going to be created in, in, in those seconds of play. And he likes to make guys pay. I mean, who doesn't want to see an offensive lineman that just loves a pancake and go at his guys? And that just kind of kicks in that natural protective instinct that the offensive line is supposed to have anyway. But if yep. they do lose a Kappa, who's not so much on the aggressive side, but, you know, a Jensen, who we know likes to finish guys, the exact description next to this kid's name was the fact that he is a finisher and he plays until the whistle blows. Uh, yep. Someone else with very strong hands, powerful initial contact, and a 
you know, can't be said loud enough, but he's a very coachable kid, which means eventually yeah. he's going to be that starting guy that you can rely on, who's going to right. continue to make this offensive line as strong as it's been and as reputable as it's been. Mm -hmm. I love this picture right here. If you're watching this <laughs> on our YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe, right? We're at Pewter Report TV, Pewter Report TV on our YouTube channel. So if you're watching this podcast rather than listening to it, you'll see this picture. This is the second level. This is like a safety or linebacker that Volson is just completely engaged in. He is oh, face mask to face mask, driving this guy back. And uh, it, it really speaks to the type of, of run blocker he is. He's got the athleticism. He likes yeah. to get to the second level and beat up on the little kids. And, and he is kind of that nasty mauler. The thing, too, with North Dakota State that I know well is we've got the former North Dakota State coach, head coach, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. This will be Kleiman's fourth year. But he won, I think, six national titles at North Dakota State. He was there recruiting Carson Wentz. He recruited uh, Trey Lance to North Dakota State. So, you know, he North Dakota State folks, if you don't know, they're like the Alabama of the FCS level, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. the perennial team to beat. And they put some guys into the NFL. Obviously, we talked about uh, Wentz and, and Lance, but – there's also been some offensive linemen. There's been some skill position players. We talked about Christian Watson. But this guy right here, I think, would be a hell of a pick if he's still there in the fifth round. Yeah, absolutely. And something else, I mean, to be 6'6", 319, I, know, I hope it makes sense, but he plays bigger than that, which yeah. I like. Um, but there's there's nothing more appealing than a guy on the line that can take up more space than his actual frame. So definitely a guy that I think could be useful. And as you said, depending on how things move around heading into free agency, coming out of free agency and heading into the draft, yeah. you know, this can be a guy that can really kind of be a plug and play player. And true, I see it. And Long I'd love even more if his teammate came with him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Rick Christian Watson. Hey, maybe we'll have Christian Watson in a later mock draft, maybe, maybe even the first round, we'll have Volson maybe in the fourth or fifth round. So, you know, we'll see they, they might go, you know, double bison and why wouldn't they, right? It's, it's uh, was it two for Tuesday, right? Yep. February it's, 22nd, on the right day, Scott, yeah. of all the days that we asked for two specific players from one team, today's yep. the day to get do two it, bison. So. Let's exactly. do it. Let's, let's make it happy. <laughs> So Long Lost Leisure has a great point here. Fifth round offensive line is Jason Light's weak spot. I would also say running back is also kind of his blind spot when it comes to the draft. Right? Yeah. Um, but I agree. Kadeem uh, Edwards, Kevin Panfield, Caleb Beninock, it's like his offensive line magic disappears after round four. That's fair. I would also say, though, in Jason's defense, that it, when you're getting to round five, you're just you're mining for gems, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not a, a slam dunk that you're going to find a guy that it's going to start or even become a quality long-term backup, right? I mean, yeah. if you, if you find a fifth round guy and he makes your team in year three and year four, I mean, that's, that's a win. Mm -hmm. And that's just hard to do. The percentages drop each round as you continue to go into day three and uh, at fair point, but at the same time, it's, it's hard to find complicated. starters <laughs> in the fifth round. It just is, or even quality backups. So let's round out our, our mock draft here. We had a, a seventh round pick in our previous mock draft mm -hmm. tight end from Virginia, Jelani Woods, who is a hell of a player, really had a good week at the East West Shrine Bowl, helped his stock out there, caught a touchdown pass, I believe, in the game. And, um, and, and, and Bruce Arians got really pissed because I mean, he's a Virginia Tech guy, right? So he's like, what are you doing drafting a Cavalier? And Rondé Barber was happy because he's a Cavalier, right? Yep. Bruce Arians probably was not too happy with our pick. So we did Bruce a favor. We said, fine, we're going to give you a tight end only because you only have one tight end under contract right now. It's Cam Brait. Yep. I think Rob, Rob Gronkowski is gone. What do you think, Casey? I think so too. I think he's just enjoying life right now. And then he'll yeah. throw that out there very nonchalant and right. go about his life. Um, for him, it's, it's about playing with Tommy. It's their dynamic. Why give it a chance to be with somebody that you don't know what to expect? And yep. he went from being super healthy to really overcoming some some significant injuries this past right. season. And as we know, when a guy mm -hmm. says that they're good, that means that they're 46% good, not all the way good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think he needs to just relax. I, I'd be sad to see him go. I'd be happy to have him come back, but I don't, I think, I don't really see it. I think Cam Brate's coming back at a reduced salary again. He's going to be 31 this year. Ideally, you're number three. He might have to be the number two. I think they're going to have to throw some draft resources at the tight end position. And so Bruce, not in favor of the, of the Cavaliers. He wants a Hokie. So we're going to give him a Hokie, damn it. James <laughs> Mitchell, 
is is the seventh round pick. Now, the thing with Mitchell is you see him taking a handoff here. He was actually a goal line back. They used him on, as kind of a, a wing player on end arounds where he actually scored a bunch of touchdowns at Virginia Tech. And he, let's see, what, what did he have? He had four touchdowns as a sophomore and one rushing touchdown last year. So he's kind of a goal line guy that's, that's interesting. But even more so, he can stretch the field, right? Yeah. 21 catches, 361 yards, a 17.2-yard average, and a pair of touchdowns in 2019. And then in 2020, 26 catches for 435 yards, four touchdowns, a 16.7 average. We know that Bruce and and the Buccaneers, whoever's going to play quarterback, like guys that can stretch the, the seam vertically. And this is mm-hmm. kind of what this guy can do. He's he's a, a, a decent-sized tight end, 6'3", 255, not as big as Gronk. But he's a very good inline blocker, which you're going to have to do. Right now, you got Cam Brayton, Cody McElroy. So you need more tight ends. Why not James Mitchell take a flyer on him in the seventh round? Yeah, I mean, he's okay. <laughs> but I'm only going to say that because everyone knows what kind of tight end I like. That that big pro-style guy that, that's that's versatile, that's equally as good in catching as he is in blocking. And with all reliance on Cameron Brayton, I just kind of wanted a bigger guy. If well, you will, it's a, it's and I don't love, I don't, I don't love the idea. Gronk. I know, <laughs> Gronk. Okay, you have to come back now if this is what's going on. Yeah. But I, I just the 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 non appeal for me is H back. I just see H back when I see him, and it and it kind of throws me a little bit um, because it's it's great to have another passing option, but for all the blocking that kind of needs to be a little bit more solidified. He just doesn't scream that to me. I will say him being a basketball background is always quite useful when it translates on the field for football. And that is something that does translate for him. As you mentioned, he knows how to stretch the field. He's a big play guy. He knows how to come down with the ball. That's all extremely helpful. Um, He's supposedly a better inline blocker than like a Cam Brate would be, right? He's not going to be Gronk, but (laughs) he does enough in the run game. Now, can he hold up from a size standpoint at 6'3", 255? O.J. Howard is 6'6". 255, right? And, yeah. and and he's not as stout as you would like him to be, even though he's got a much bigger frame than mm-hmm. kids. So sometimes it, it's it's not about the size, but you know, we'll see. The interesting th- thing Natural too about, correct. Interesting thing about Mitchell is he suffered a, a career, not a career, season ending knee injury that ended his Hokies career after just five catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. So he missed most of his final season, but he's a very high character guy, a leader, he's a team captain. Um, and and th- when you're looking at the seventh round, you're looking about guys that can play special teams too. Right. So that's why linebackers, defensive backs, tight ends, running backs, those are the kind of picks you see near the end of the draft because those guys can help cover kicks and punts and play on special teams. Yeah. And of course, I'm kind of not biased, but <laughs> this is always going to be a hard, satisfactory point for me because not only because I love the pro style kind of guys, but also because. You know, I love being able to to see a real quality 12 personnel be run, but I just don't have faith in what's left on the roster under tight end to get that done. Yep. Um, I also feel like Cameron Bray just didn't look himself this past season no, because we've seen him be relied on so much more and play a bigger, more reliable role. And I emphasize reliable because he just had really bad catches this year. And he just kind of really looked gassed in certain in certain plays and circumstances. So depending on how offseason goes and what Cameron what shape Cameron Bray returns in, yeah, sure. I'm 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 okay with Cameron Bray. I don't mind yeah. him, but I, I really just kind of wanted another really reliable, strong well, Jelani Woods might be your guy. He may not be there in the seventh round after what happened in the East West. He might not be able to please Bruce this time. We gotta just yeah. do what's right for That's the true. team. Have to do what's yeah. best for the team. Six seven, two hundred and seventy pounds. The guy is big. He's a big Massive. dude. He looks like an offensive tackle. As a matter of fact, he made the offensive tackles at the East West Shrine Bowl look a little small too. So, <laughs> so maybe it's Woods, maybe it's Mitchell, maybe it's another another player. Uh, we'll see as it gets closer to the draft. But um, just make sure, folks, that if you haven't subscribed to our Peter Report YouTube channel, it's Peter Report TV, that you, that you do so. Make sure you hit the like on this video and all of our other videos. That helps us when it comes to the algorithms, helps other Buccaneer fans and draft fans find our content and and uh, and so you can play a role in helping our Peter Report TV account on YouTube. Greatly appreciate it. We're knocking on 8,000's door. We want to get there by draft time, so you can help us play a role in that. 
So we, we appreciate you all for, for tuning in today uh, and for checking out our mock draft. Again, John Ledger's got a first-round NFL mock draft tomorrow on pewterreport.com. So, Casey, enjoyed having you on the show today. Yes, as always. Welcome back from uh, from the Super Bowl. It wasn't so super without the Buccaneers, but maybe next year, right? We'll see. I know. I just kept calling it another game. I probably offended half of L.A., but it was it was fun. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> what do well, you mean, For Casey Hudson, I'm Scott Reynolds. You've been watching uh, Peter Reports TV here on our YouTube channel. Thanks for watching the latest edition of the Peter Report podcast. And John and I will be on tomorrow, as we like to say, 